warning. This week's story sounds like it would be perfect for kids. And it is. If you want to screw your kid's head up... Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 68. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. So we finally got enough complaints about the Drabblecast not being in standard MP3 format that we decided to do something about it. Rather than mess with the way things are now, we just started a new feed that will have each episode in MP3 format. To subscribe to this feed, you can just hop on over to our website at www.drabblecast.org and click on MP3 feed at the top. We appreciate feedback and suggestions like that. Please email us at drabblecast at yahoo.com if you have any of either. This week's Drabble story is coming at you a bit differently than usual, and in a way that I totally encourage. The author actually put this together himself and sent it in as an MP3. I certainly don't mind having my job made easier, so if you have a Drabble that you've been cooking up, consider recording it yourself, straight or with bells and whistles, and send it in to us as an MP3. We just might air that mofo. Remember, Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Please submit yours to drabblecast at yahoo.com. Our Drabble is called Time Flies by Ian Makariff. Ian has been an electronic engineer and all-around tech geek since about the last Ice Age. He's lived in almost every capital city in Australia and New Zealand, and is currently perched on the edge of the known universe, known to the locals as Perth. We seem to have a lot of listeners from that strange little corner of the globe. I guess that's pretty fitting. You know, one of these days I'm going to have to fake an Aussie accent for a story, and it's not going to be pretty. Anyways, where were we? Oh yeah, Drabble time. They do exist, huffed the sec gen. In this old book, there's dragons, worms, fire drakes. Now go back in time and bring me one. Granville sighed and set off to find a dragon, somewhere in the pre-atomic age. It's destroying the palace, screamed the sec gen over the roaring flames. Do something! Granville riffled hastily through his ancient book remnants, looking for solutions to a rampaging dragon, then dashed back into the time machine. And a helicopter gunship burst out, miniguns burping death and destruction at the dragon. It's just like the book said, sire. The whirlybird really does get the worm. Ah, you know you love it. How could you not? Dragons versus helicopters? Come on. Our feature story this week is called The Wiggly People by Yuji Foster. Yuji's work has been popping up everywhere in podcast form lately, and that's a good thing in my opinion. She's a writer who knows how to take advantage of the fact that most audio fiction markets buy reprints, and she's a writer who's talented and diverse enough to have them bought. Her publication credits number over 100, and include stories in Realms of Fantasy, The Third Alternative, Orson Scott Card's Intergalactic Medicine Show, and Cricket and Cicada. Her short story collection, Returning My Sister's Face, and Other Far Eastern Tales of Whimsy and Malice, is due out in 2009 by Noralana Books. She also edits the short fiction and poetry review magazine, The Fix, which we'll have in our show notes. Visit her online at www.ugfoster.com. 
This story was originally published in the anthology Thou Shalt Not in the fall of 2006 by Dark Cloud Press. So without further ado, The Wiggly People by Eugene Foster. Mama and I were supposed to go to the zoo today. I like the monkeys best. When they make faces, Mama laughs and her eyes crinkle at the corners. I once told her the monkeys reminded me of Uncle Carl. She smiled so bright, I felt like another son had come out. But she told me, Donnie, you mustn't say that again. You don't want to get Uncle Carl angry. Uncle Carl shouts when he's mad, and sometimes he smacks Mama. That always makes the sharp things hurt me, and the wiggly people come out. Today I had my good pants on, and Mama picked out a clean shirt for me to button, all by myself. But when the phone rang, I stopped buttoning. Mama doesn't allow me on the phone, not anymore. Not since the police came. Now, whenever the phone rings, I I get scared. Sometimes the screaming jangle brings the wiggly people. Then I need to take a pill. My pills are nice. They're green and white, shiny on the outside like candy. If I crunch them, they taste bad, and they leave my tongue prickly. If I swallow them, they put a cushion around the sharp things in my head, and the wiggly people leave. One time, the sharp things got so bad I threw up. I sicked up the pill along with the hot dog I'd had for lunch. I thought my head was going to pop. A wiggly person came and told me he would make it better if I let him hold my hand. As soon as I touched him, it was like floating in a swimming pool. No more sharp things. I had a dream of people screaming and running. But Mama says no, I wasn't asleep. When I woke up, I was in a room that smelled like pee. It was dark and I was alone. I cried until my eyes dried up. Mama came and got me, and ever since, I've never let the wiggly people touch me. It was Uncle Carl on the phone, shouting. I've been out every night this week, Mama shouted back. It's Sunday. Johns don't even come out on church nights. The sharp things in my head burst. The wiggly people came first with their shadows in the dark places, flickering and hazy. I just want to take Donnie to the zoo. Mama stopped shouting. I promised, and it's Sunday. No, I didn't. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There was a click, and Mama put down the phone. Are we going to the zoo now? I asked. I don't think so, baby. Uncle Carl wants me to work. Mama works at night. The zoo is far away. We have to take a train there. She never takes me to the zoo when she has to work. The wiggly people beckon to me, with their eyes all black and their fingers like needles. I'm sorry, she said. You know how much Mama loves our zoo trips. Another flash of burning in my head. I reached into my pocket for my pills. Your head hurt again? I nodded, because I didn't think I should talk. 
Sometimes the wiggly people made me say bad things. Mama hugged me. She smelled so good, like springtime flowers. It softened the sharp things, and the wiggly people turned their faces away. I did promise the zoo, didn't I? I nodded again. The wiggly people drifted away, like the smoke on birthday candles after you blow them out. What about Uncle Carl? I asked. Never mind him. Finish your buttons and we'll go. Mama smiled, although her eyes didn't crinkle. I like buttons. Sometimes it takes me a while because they're so little and my fingers are so big, but when I push them through the hole the right way, it makes me proud. Mama made herself up so pretty and had her purse out. I wasn't done yet, but she didn't rush me. I only had one last button to go when the door burst open. It was Uncle Carl. He didn't talk, just stomped up to Mama and smacked her. Hard. You don't sass back to me, whore, he shouted. You work when I say you work. If I say I want you ass up and legs spread 24-7, you say yes, sir. Mama fell down, and the sharp things in my head exploded. A wiggly person slithered past, grinning. Its teeth were red and wet, like angry blood. You're working tonight, you hear me? Each word Uncle Carl shouted was like someone stabbing my eyes with nails. It hurt so bad I wet myself, messing my good pants. Uncle Carl wrinkled his nose at the stink. <laughs> if you think you can dick me around, you're just as retarded as your pants pissing boy. Hell, he's smarter than you. He knows you're good for nothing but whoring. He dragged me to where my mama lay, crying on the floor. Tell your mama. Tell her she's a whore. The red-toothed wiggly person held out his hand. It was blackened, like burned meat, the fingertips ending in points. Tell your mama she's a whore, boy. Say it. The wiggly person was so close, close enough to touch. Leave him alone, Mama sobbed. Uncle Carl kicked Mama in the belly. White fire filled my head. I screamed and grabbed the wiggly person's hand. It felt so good not to hurt. Even when the wiggly person poured into my mouth, filling me up, I didn't care. We sank our red teeth into Uncle Carl's neck, and it was like biting into a juicy hamburger. We shoved our pointy-edged fingernails into his face, and his eyeballs popped open like raw eggs. Mama screamed, and I was sad we'd made her unhappy. Uncle Carl made wet noises as we ate his face. Mama and I weren't going to the zoo, but at least she wouldn't have to work tonight. The moral to this story, karma's a bitch, a wiggly bitch that eats your face. Feedback for episode 64, The Alien Social Worker Story, Thus Spake Blearbo by Ahmed A. Khan.
The general response to this story was good, although many people thought the end got preachy when Blirbo found Earth. Krista said, I agree with other people about the ending. It made it pretty depressing, and I wasn't expecting it at all. I guess because it took it out of the fantasy story and into real-world issues. Anne Savoy said, I sort of balk at the notion that the way humans live and treat each other is the worst treatment of beings by other beings that you'll find anywhere in the universe. Racism only exists on Earth? Humans always assume we're so special, either positively or negatively. Good ideas throughout, but the ending was a little preachy for my tastes. Kevin Anderson made a good point by saying, Blirbo only looked at people in groups. It makes me wonder if the story would be different if he examined individuals, arriving in the times of, say, Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hop in the discussion, go to www.drabblecast.org and click the discussion forums link. There you can read about hedgehogs being used as deadly weapons. If you enjoy the Drabblecast, you should consider making a donation to us to help us pay our authors and bring you weekly weirdness. You can either donate once or subscribe for $5 a month to help us out. Remember, really generous donors get to suggest a song idea and style for me to write and record for them. You know you want to hear a reggae song about Gary Kasparov getting attacked by a flying dildo. Well, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you can't change it or sell it, but you can share it with all your friends, even the imaginary wiggly ones. Tune in next week for some more weird shit. Until then, our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, a monkey with extreme eczema, Luke Coddington, who just moved to Alabama because he couldn't stand life outside the Bible Belt, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to take your pill.